Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's The Upper Room. Our podcast addresses the Christian's role in today's culture. We hope you enjoy it and find it informative. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Now let's get going. Welcome to The Upper Room. This is Associate Pastor Scott Kimball, and I am your host for this episode, and with me this evening is Braden Kimball. How are you doing tonight, Braden? I'm doing all right. Good. Good to have you with us this evening. I've been trying to incorporate more of the younger generation into this podcast and um, hoping to get some of the elders to sort of um, kind of chime in here with us and make it more of a three-person discussion, but uh, because of COVID and other things, a lot of the folks in church have been out, and uh, but they're starting to come back now, so hopefully by next week we'll be able to get a schedule set. What I'd like to do, though, is have a set number of um, both elders, other adults in the church, and young people so that we can kind of mix it up throughout the year and so that you, I would only need you for the podcast maybe you know, four times, five times a year, something like that. So hopefully you would find that acceptable. Hey, yeah, it sounds reasonable. Sounds doable. Yeah. Good. That's what I'm hoping for. So the our main podcast, the Reaching the World podcast, which is the Sunday message, uh, got its 100th episode this last week. So that was pretty cool. Congratulations to uh, Pastor Don and everyone else who participates in bringing the Sunday message each week. And so since COVID broke out, we've now done 100 uh, episodes as a podcast, which is kind of new territory for us and been a lot of fun doing. And the upper room should hit 100 episodes somewhere around April Fool's Day. So I haven't actually planned that out as to exactly when it's going to occur, but I do know we're getting closer to it. Has it really been that long? It has. Uh, yeah. Two years. It'll be two years. And March, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's been a good thing. I think it's kind of forced the church to move into some new areas of technology. Maybe they were reluctant to do. I know it uh, pushed us into that area, and I'm, I'm glad it happened. It's actually opened our eyes to some other opportunities we might be able to take, you know, a little further down the road. Uh, especially as our church grows and more people become involved who are interested in doing more uh, high-tech type of ministry. I think it'll be a good thing. Alrighty, so this last week on the Sunday message, our one of our favorite elders, Jacob Davis, spoke, and he gave a message on, what was it, the centrality and... It's the... <clears throat> the faith aspect of continuity was his title, but his thesis was faith remains constant throughout time, essentially. Yeah. At least that's how I understood it. Well, that's good. That's what we want to discuss and what we want to talk about is basically what was your, what do you think the main theme was, which you probably just voiced, but also what were kind of the major takeaways that you got from his message? I mean, the two points he continuously, no pun intended, drilled home were the the fact that humans are, not only are we still distracted from the message, we've kind of always been distracted. There's a duality in how 
while the message of faith has remained constant, so has the human tendency to stray from spreading that message. Um, likewise, uh, he kind of was trying to encourage us to not be distracted from the message, uh, focusing on the immediate problems of the world and the immediate problems that humanity faces are not necessarily the most important problems that we could be facing. Essentially, the physical troubles of of existence will always be there. So long as entropy, in his words, uh, he used the, the word entropy, mm-hmm. uh, there exists, there will always be a decay of of all things physical. So getting caught up in that, while it might seem noble, is still not necessarily the most noble cause, which is seeing that our Redeemer lives also in his words. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's probably the biggest takeaway. Because it was a pretty direct message. I don't think there was a lot of room for interpretation of what he was saying. Yeah, he talked about the overall timeline of of history as it's laid out in the Bible and kind of where things are at today in that timeline. And then sort of demonstrated how, you know, the... Yeah, he had kind of two, he hinged it on two specific time frames, maybe three. He briefly mentioned Noah, but it was more a mentioning of a mention of Noah, because it was, I think, a verse from Peter talking about the Great Flood. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two main time frames were the in the book of Job, which he said was kind of around the time of Abraham, um, pre-Mosaic era, and then... Mm-hmm the book of Paul, which is, you know, Paul was a disciple. Or Did he get his own book? Yeah, no. There's oh, no okay. book of Paul. <laughs> no, one of the letters Paul wrote. That's what right. it was. Yeah, exactly. it was. Yeah, he didn't have his own book, but he wrote like, I don't know how many letters. Several. Yes. And so one of his letters, I forget which one. Uh, can I remember? No, I can't remember which one it was. Um, was He was basically comparing the messages of those two books as they related to faith in continuity and how their message was, each of their messages were basically the same. And that you remember what that message was? Yeah. The message was, I will see my redeemer uh, and that he lives and I have a future hope because of that. And so Job, obviously Job had that because there's no other way he could have, endured what he endured without having that that thing to hold on to. And then Paul was talking about it, um, I believe, to encourage whomever he was writing to, or maybe he was reaffirming his own beliefs in order to encourage whoever he was writing to. Because I think he was speaking from his own perspective, right? Mm-hmm. In the verse that Jacob brought up. So anyways... But yeah, so you can see in approximately what, like a 2,000 year span of time, the message didn't really change. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, he, um, I, and I didn't write it down either, so I'm not helping you much here with what the New Testament passage was. But yeah, he did a contrast between Job and the New Testament passage where basically it says the same thing that, right, that not only were you going to see your Redeemer, but that also implied that you were going to have a resurrected body. Yeah. And that's always sort of been the, the thing with um, Judaism and even up through 
early Christianity is our hope was in a bodily resurrection that we would actually physically with our own eyes get to see and meet the Lord. And, uh, right. Yeah. It was tied into like the act of seeing and being mm-hmm. able to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, uh, it's curious. The, the thesis of this message that Jacob delivered, it kind of, took me on a mental rabbit trail because I think of how it's a pretty hot topic, how much the Bible has changed through its translations. Hmm. And there's kind of an interesting, I guess, contrast there that could potentially be explored. Um, And how there are people who argue that much of what the Bible says has been filtered so many times that they find it difficult to even trust what it says, I guess. Especially I could see that in a modern era because yeah. high schools and colleges no longer teach Greek or Hebrew. Yep. So you don't know the original languages enough to say whether or not the English translation you're studying from is actually accurate or not. We're just trusting that the translators did a good job. Yeah. And I'm definitely not qualified to say. It's more a curious point to think of, but there is a cool mm-hmm. video from a, a secular person on YouTube that is a, an interesting watch and uh, it's a channel called Trey the Explainer and he's talking about um, he it's initially about the Nephilim which mm-hmm. were like the it, I guess they could be interpreted as either being like uh, a certain class of angel or mm-hmm. in other like religions they're kind of seen more as like giants or like a half breed of angels and humans uh, that lived on the earth at a certain time, probably pre-flood. And no, definitely pre-flood. They were actually, it was Genesis 6 where they're mentioned. Yeah, and they're and, also mentioned, uh, I think there's a verse, a one-off verse. They're definitely mentioned in the non-canonical books of the Bible. I think there might even be a whole book right. about the Nephilim. There's a book, yeah, there's a book of Enoch that yeah. goes into the Neph- Nephilim in big detail, but there's some speculation that the book of Enoch, as we have it today, was actually written in the 1500s. Yeah. So, so it's not, not not the original. Right. And there is apparently no relation to the original. One translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls um, mm-hmm. has a mention of the Nephilim too, which is all talked about in this video. But it's interesting from, you know, he is taking a more like secular researcher approach to it. So, you know, just understand that before you watch the video. But he kind of, he, based on his analysis of the translations, he kind of theorizes that pre-Noah Christians kind of had more of a, like, they viewed angels more as, like, lower gods and not as angels. And that their the Nephilim were kind of like demigods mm-hmm. because they were, like, a half-breed between a god. And it, and it he comes to that conclusion looking at the Greek words that are used in the Dead Sea Scrolls, because it's a a certain word that is plural when referring to God. It has like a plural root, and it's not mm-hmm. a singular root. And mm-hmm. so I just thought that was interesting. Well, which could also describe the Trinity. But... Right. Well, he brings that up too, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. He talks about how he personally doesn't believe it could have anything to do with the Trinity, because the Trinity is a more modern uh belief is what he said interesting yeah it's not like it the belief in the trinity is more of a non-jewish thing um yeah 
there's lots of crazy stuff out there. I got, I ran down that rabbit trail of watching a bunch of YouTube videos on people who were doing all the stuff out of the book of Enoch. And I think it's really interesting just from like a, maybe not to actually take it to heart, but it's just kind of a a cool, like, even if you treat it as a fiction, it's still a really entertaining Mm -hmm. fiction. (laughs) It is. It's very entertaining. And it seems to me that maybe that's where some of the Greek mythology and the, Norse mythology and all that kind of stuff came from was from all these legends and things of the Nephilim and whatnot that kind of right. evolved into that. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, he, he talked about that too. That's kind of crazy. Cause mm-hmm. he, he talked about how there's a lot of similarities and how, um, Oh, what's his name? Gilgamesh, like the whole Epic of Gilgamesh and how, mm-hmm. you know, if you were a Jewish person of that time, you might've seen Gilgamesh. If he were a real person as like a Nephilim, it's like another legend from a different religion about a Nephilim type person that existed. Um, because, you know, the center of the video is about the Nephilim. It's not about like whether or not right. Christians believe demigods were a thing or, you know, if they've always been monotheistic. But that was kind of an aside he took at one point to talk about. Which I just Yeah, this would definitely thing. be one of those things that Jacob would say is a distraction. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it's yeah. interesting to ponder. It's yeah. fun to watch, and it, yeah, yeah. But you it, don't want to get too wrapped around it because it really does distract distract from right what God's told us to do as far as spreading the gospel. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's entertaining though. It is entertaining, and it's very interesting. And yeah, as yeah. long as you don't get too uh, don't buy into it too much, I think you, you can get some interesting thought from it. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought is message on comparing Job to the New Testament and talking about bodily resurrection and the fact that the idea of having a person who is the Redeemer and that the Redeemer was not a thing or an act or something, but it was an actual individual. Right. I thought, I thought was good. I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. Um, I did also note that, you know, he made the, the plea talking about, you know, both liberal and conservative Christians being so wrapped up in their, um, Whatever their, hot, their views and trying yeah, to fix the world. Their that, hot topics are of the time. Yeah, that yeah. Um, that they kind of avoid doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is making disciples. Yeah, and uh, I I understand that. I can see that. Um, I guess my argument to that would be that uh, yeah, there probably are a lot of Christians that are heavily involved in in the hot topics of the day or whatever, and their opinions on it, but. You know, what you're hearing from is probably a vocal minority. Um, my thought is, is that actually most Christians are apathetic. They do nothing. I think that's a more, yeah, that's probably a higher percentage of, of believers. Yeah. Because it's I, I easier to be apathetic. <laughs> putting, oh, eff- put, putting effort into anything, even if it's not the right thing, still just putting effort into things takes effort. And it's easier exactly. to to just be apathetic because you don't have to Well, try and we've so institutionalized this whole idea of making disciples that it right, scares it's like a lot a of people away from doing it. Yeah, well, or it's mm-hmm. a responsibility of the church or the elders. It's not like something right. the average Christian should be doing. The individual is supposed to right. be doing, exactly. Yeah, there's not a lot of folks on the individual responsibility. Yeah, I, I, I can see that too. My thought was, though, so it, if that's true, if all this getting involved in the hot topic of the day is a distraction, then what is the role of Christians in policymaking? I mean, if, right. if we live in a, if we live in a democratic society and we are all able to voice our opinions on things, should Christians have an opinion on things or should we just shut up and spread the gospel? Yeah, that's tough. Cause 
you know, we should trust the future to God, right? But at the same time, if you feel a divine inspiration to get involved, like where, I guess the line kind of blurs for me because you, you can make the case that someone who goes into politics feels that they were they were put on that path by God. They felt uh, like it was a calling for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a tough one. I think it comes down to the individual um, and their relationship with God and where that leads them. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think Christians should maintain their focus on making disciples. Obviously, that's your number one priority. Right. You know, starting with your spouse and your children, those are your number one priorities in discipling as a, as a man. Um, but then beyond that, you have relationships with friends and other people, and you can be discipling them, even though you may not be formally discipling them. You can still be imparting truth and leading them to scripture and, and trying to help in that direction. Right. And I do believe that if more Christians participate in that, it will have an effect on society. Right. It will ultimately have effect on on policy. So there is an argument you can make to say if you would just do what Christians are right. supposed to do, a domino we could make we could make society better. Right. Instead of taking taking such a direct approach all the time, but I like you made the the point that Christians are involved in the political sphere. They are involved in their local and civic governments and whatnot. And as a Christian, they they bring those values to the table, and I think that they they have a responsibility. And I think the average citizen has a responsibility as a citizen that if you see right. something that's unjust or wrong, even if it's from your biblical point of view, you still can voice that opinion. Right. And you still, as citizens, we have rights and we have a certain level of authority with voting and, you know, being able to publicly mm-hmm. state opinions that you can still influence policy without being a policymaker because yeah. you get to help choose who the policymakers are. And well, in uh, your, your beliefs will influence how you choose that. Absolutely. Well, in your local, you know, your county supervisors board, for for instance, or right. your local school board representatives, or whatever, uh, as a citizen, you have the right to shoot an email to them saying, "Hey, I disagree yeah. with your stance on blah blah blah." Yep. You know that we need to. I think we should go a different direction. This is what I propose. You know, should be done. Yeah. And. You know, they can take it or leave it. And if you don't like where they're going, you can always run against them. You know, right. I mean, that's part of our or civil process. start a grassroots movement to vote someone else in. Right. Yeah. But then, yeah. you know, but then that leads into what Jacob was saying is people get so involved in that kind of stuff that they stop the discipling aspect. Right. Well, I think you kind of have already. There has to be a balance. I think you've already said the key point in that as so long as that is the primary focus, you can accomplish other things as long as you don't let the primary focus slip. Yep. Which I think can be a tough thing to do. Cause I mean, especially as men, we still fall on the same problem of prioritizing work over family, over church, over, you know, other things. And, you know, where does all that fall in the order of me spending my time? And, uh, and so this just adds, adds one more layer of things you can involve yourself in that can then throw your priorities out of whack. Definitely. Cool. Uh, were there any other thoughts or takeaways from the message that you that you got out of it? Uh, let's see. No, not really. I mean, I I thought it was interesting. He this is kind of just a a side thing he said, but he said that Christians. He kind of jokingly said like Christians existed before Moses, and mm. that just kind of 
is true how like in popular christian culture every everything focuses on like the time frame around jesus which to be fair that's a very important time period because that's where like he, all of humankind salvation comes from but yep, he is the pin- <clears throat> pinnacle character but as like a you know on the topic of apathy if you truly are an unapathetic christian it's i think your responsibility to have a better knowledge of the entire Bible and all of the stories that are in it says the guy who said the book of Paul earlier, but you know, yeah, I'm working. On it. <laughs> yeah. And you I, actually read through the Bible before. Yeah, so. I know. I, I was terrified to read revelations. Uh, that book scared me as a child. I won't lie. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an interesting book with lots of uh, death and destruction. In it. Yeah. It's less scary now, obviously just being an adult who's more jaded but there that's a whole talking about youtube videos and rabbit holes there's all kinds of entertaining videos about the apocalypse of the hebrew bible Mm. Uh, yeah there's one video that's like how to survive it or like how to try to survive it (laughs) which is funny to think about because i'm pretty sure it literally says there will be no surviving it but it's like why would you want to hide in the world would you live in after the fact right right? yeah it's it yeah i think it it was more of just like a, here's all the terrible things that'll happen. So good luck kind of video, but uh, <laughs> that was still entertaining. One of the things I did here recently, we just had the varsity conference this week and got an opportunity to speak at that conference, which was fun. I enjoyed doing it. And it sounds like they're going to come back and do it again, possibly in the fall. And, and they're going to ask more of us to maybe participate and speak um, as part of that conference. But one of the things that I got kind of convicted on was, um, not spending enough time in the word and even just reading the word casually, spending more time doing that. And I've got the English standard version on MP3. Uh-huh. And so I, what I spent the last couple of, well, I spent yesterday, part of yesterday, loading all of that into Apple music so I could put it on a playlist and stick it on my phone. So right. then when like I'm driving back and forth to work or whatever, I can listen to it like an audiobook. Yeah. Yeah and start trying to get through the scripture that way. And, you know, if, if you listen to the whole thing from beginning to end, it takes three days to get through the whole Bible. So 72 hours of listening. I think so. Yeah. So it didn't list it in hours. It just said three days. So I'm not sure. I'm assuming that's probably pretty close to 72 hours. Right. That's honestly, I mean, that's long, but it's not so long. Right. You know, the Bible, a lot of the books. And this is with a professional person reading it to you slowly. Right. So, yeah. 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 Well, I so, think. But anyways, this could be a good way to get it in, into your head. Right. Well, and the structure of the Bible lends itself to memorization, too, because it has a very hierarchical structure of like book, verse, sentence. And so if you can memorize the numbers of the, the book and the verse, it's easier to relate those things to what's being said in the verse. Like I still have. John three sixteen burned into my brain from the Awana days. The Awana stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about the first Timothy passage? I think it's the first Timothy three sixteen, right? Oh, I don't remember that one. I, I remember Jesus wept. That's what John Jesus. three or something. <laughs> Jesus wept. Right? That's funny. 
Right. I know there was a Timothy verse that I want to. Yeah, it's 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, I remember, right? I, I think that was like the principal verse that they taught you guys in Awana. I think that was like the last aged here of Awana, because that's how you got the mm. Timothy Award, I think, that, hence the name. And I don't know if I ever made it that far into Awana, because I think the mm. program ended when I was still a bumblebee or whatever the red vest was called. <laughs> uh, yeah, you you would have been pretty young. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had like the red and blue vest. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me just uh, talk to our listeners here for a second. If you enjoy what you're hearing and you enjoy the conversation and we hope to bring more of this your way, um, take a moment and let somebody else know about it. If you haven't subscribed to the channels, go ahead and do to BFC for you reaching the world and BFC for you, the upper room. And if you would please on your podcasting app, if it allows you to leave a review, please leave one. If it allows you to leave stars or whatever, do that. If it allows you to leave some kind of other rating, do that. And what that does is that helps those podcasting platforms uh, know that there's something that's interesting out there and then they'll make it available to other people to see in their feed. So if you would do that, we would appreciate it. We are on multiple podcasting platforms, um, or you can just go to our website, bfcforyou.org, and you can uh, choose and listen to the podcast there. Uh, We also post, if we talk about certain news articles or things like that, we will have those posted as well on the bfcforyou.org website. You can read that content there. So with that, I uh, thank you for listening. I thank you, Braden, for coming on board and participating this evening. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, you uh, up to closing us out in prayer? Sure. Thank you. I'd appreciate it. Okay. (laughs) Dear Lord, thank you for the conversation we had today. Thank you for those who spend the time of their day to listen to us ramble. Thank you for Jacob and his message. And thank you for the consistency of your teachings. And uh, thank you for the knowledge that so long as we focus on the most important thing, which is knowing that you live and there is a future hope that we will always have that future hope. And with that, I say, amen. Amen. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and found it thought provoking. The Upper Room is a Bible Fellowship Church production. The opinions discussed by our guests are just opinions and random thoughts at the time of recording and do not necessarily reflect the doctrine or stated beliefs of Bible Fellowship Church.